Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fault, the editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is Matt Reeves, director of War for the Planet of the Apes, the third and final installment of the Caesar trilogy, uh, which has been a remarkable breath of fresh air in this era of franchise oh. filmmaking, and also a remarkable uh, showcase for the advance of uh, motion capture, as in particular in this one. Um, but Dawn as well, this, this idea of the gorillas being these compelling um, three-dimensional, even leading mythic characters. Uh -huh. uh, Matt has also directed a second installment of Dawn of the Planet Apes, the second part of the trilogy, Cloverfield Let Me In, and he's been tapped to do the new Batman movie. Very true. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on the movie. Thank you. You know, um, these, this movie just, the whole trilogy has been so engaging, and the verisimilitude of the gorillas is just amazing. But I look at these behind-the-scenes shots, you know, you in the woods and all these actors with sure. the gray litter and their mocap mo mo outfits, yeah. And, you know, and the helmets and the... And it's hard for me to think, to put myself in your shoes and think about all those things that a director thinks about I in terms of do I have the performance, how does this look? A lot of it you have to do in your head, right? Or is it at a certain point... Well, you know, I don't really see... It's funny because I, I'm directing the actors, so it's a lot, it's a lot more similar to conventional sort of movie making situation than you would think. You know, I'm I'm trying to, you know, the physicality of what they do is something that they train to do just to learn to do that, right? But that's kind of like an actor learning how to walk the way their character's supposed to walk. Let's say they've been in an accident, they limp. Like, that's a technical thing, and they kind of forget that part of it. And we explore all of that. Like, we have, like, an ape camp, and we, we explore all that stuff at the beginning. And we do a lot of improvs. It's really fun. But when we're doing the scenes, I'm looking for the emotional content of the scene and the struggle of the scene and whatever that is. And the actors, that's what they're doing. And so... Uh, my interaction with them is not that different than if I were directing all human characters. Um, it's the thing I do have to keep in mind. Obviously, like Karen, who plays Maurice, I keep in mind, you know, what she's going to look like in the frame. Her head is not as big as Maurice's head, and I have to frame things differently. Um, but emotionality-wise, uh, what I'm getting from the actors is the search that I'm on, and I, if I have what feels right when we're shooting it then it's almost always right. The interesting thing is there, there were a couple times on both films where, because um, now I've been doing this for five years, like literally in this world, and there were a couple times when the reactions for, not for Caesar, but like for some of the other characters, they might not fit into an ape's face, that kind of thing. It might be, oh, that's too human. And it was, it's a weird thing you go on. And actually with Andy, it was more when it came to speech. We would explore stuff. And there were a couple times where, you know, we, when we would shoot, we would deliberately do some that were um, sort of the articulation was a little bit more primitive. And that is meant to evolve over the course of the movie anyway. The more that he deals with humans, the more naturally he begins to speak. But there were times when we thought we had it, and then we realized we'd broken it. You know, if he spoke a little too casually, it broke the illusion. And suddenly, even though the shot was totally photoreal, the behavior behind it was too human, and so suddenly it looked a little bit like Wallace and Gromit or something. You know what I mean? It looked like, it looked like oh, that's animated. It didn't feel real. So you do kind of find those things after the fact and try and modulate that. But mostly, it's just about 
directing them based on the emotional content of the scene. And one thing about this film, and I think about this about almost all great directors, is that sense of um, relying on the human face, which is just with a small expression, can get you someplace. Sure. So much more, not only more efficiently than dialogue, but also just on this like, kind of connection emotional level. Sure. And so I think that's kind of what you're talking about is in that sense, if, if I can read, the, if you can read this in Andy's face, if you oh, can then read you have that it. emotion. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there, I want, for me in the movie, because the movie was supposed to be like, I wanted it to be an epic uh, war movie, like a, you know, r really like a, a classical kind of mm -hmm. movie, like a lean movie or something. And I think there were two landscapes that I was interested in. The grand landscape of, you know, we shot the movie in 65 millimeter and the, the lenses, this, this Alexa 65 is just so beautiful. And it, the detail that you get on those landscapes is amazing. But the other landscape is the landscape of the face and not just the, not just the human faces, obviously, which we do have some really tight close-ups on humans, but these ape faces. And the amazing thing about this new system is that when you're shooting 65 millimeter, it is a, it's like a, it's like a medium format film plane camera size, which is like a portraiture camera. So when you're doing landscapes, it's incredibly detailed. It's like a 6K camera and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the lenses actually are old adapted um, Hasselblad lenses, which is like a medium format portraiture camera. When you move in for the close-ups, they are extraordinary for really tight close-ups. And there's a beautiful focus fall-off that gives the face a shape and an intimacy so that it has this great juxtaposition potentially, which is what I wanted it to be, between these grand vistas and these really intimate shots of, of the faces. And that is where I think the emotion comes from. And of course, when you're getting tight on someone and you're watching them, and to me, the fun of doing, a lot of times when you're doing a CG thing, the idea is to look for the broadest effect possible. And what's so great about performance capture is the level of subtlety that, that's possible. And when I think of not only what Andy does, which is always incredible and very subtle, but like Karen who plays Maurice, she's so internal. She's so intuitive. And it's just little gestures. Like when she, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when she finds the girl, when she finds Amaya Miller who plays Nova. Um, just the two of them looking at each other and, and seeing, um, you know, seeing Amaya in full close-up and then seeing this orangutan in full close-up. And what I wanted to do in terms of getting you to connect emotionally was to direct it from a very, visually, from a very point of view position. So I had them literally look into the camera. So you would have the experience of being Amaya and seeing a photo reel, hopefully you're not even thinking about that, mm -hmm. orangutan just looking at you inches from your face and vice versa. So that you would be Maurice and you would be Nova, and and so that was my approach was to try and look for that, look for that intimacy. And my understanding is partially because of cost and partially because of just the time. The only way this makes sense is for you to cut also while you're in the editing room. You're you're not before the prior to the well, yeah, because we, I mean that there's so much work that goes into these effects that it's not even a. It's not only a cost thing. Of course, it is a cost thing. But it's also a labor thing. I mean, the amount of effort that goes into doing one ape mm -hmm. shot. I mean, it takes like six months to get one ape shot. And we have, you know, 1,400. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, unless you, wanna, unless you have the time and money to work endlessly mm -hmm. for 10 years, you have to put a version of that movie together first without any animation. And it's all based on the performances. And that's what's 
that's what's amazing is that that version of the movie works. You go and you put it together. I cut together, and you're not seeing Planet of the Apes. You're seeing Planet of the Mocap Actors. I would love to and see that. I would well, love yeah, you know, we would. We actually want to. We've we've shown some scenes like when we were doing when we were doing some early publicity for the film. We had like kind of a. There was a scene where actually the scene where where Caesar and the apes come upon Nova for the first time, and the way we showed it, you'd see Andy and Karen and Terry Notary um, and Michael who plays Luca. They they would be moving into the set, and then all of a sudden you'd see like a blocking shot, and then you'd go back to the actors, and then you'd see some animation, and then you'd go back to the actors. And it's fascinating to watch because it makes it immediately clear the thing we were just talking about, which is that the emotion that you're seeing is coming from those performances. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, that version of the movie has to work before I get this incredible team of artists over at Weta beginning to work on these shots, because otherwise you're wasting everyone's time. And do you stay involved my guess is that's at least what's a six-month year process. It of takes over a year. And from the way, the for way you hand in a cut, and they need at least. Well, no, we don't really hand in a cut. Here's what we do: we cut the movie because the movie, obviously, you know, you can't just say, "Hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. We cut the movie, and now it's done," because you're working on the movie. So you mm-hmm. have this simultaneous sort of goal of realizing the ape shots, but also realizing the cut of your movie. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're working on a on a big movie. It's going to take a long time to arrive at that cut. You start getting more confident about certain sequences, and you start turning them over. And then even those, you'll change as you're going. You'll realize, you know what, this moment is wrong. And so they might be, they might be down a path on the shot. You say, stop working on that shot. Don't do that. We're going to do this. I give them a different take. I do a different thing. And what I do is I work with two editors who I love, Bill and Stan. And they and I, we, we work on different shifts. So I'll work with Bill. I'll come in first thing in the morning. And we'll just start working on the scenes. And then usually in the middle of the day, we would break and work with Weta. And that meeting with Weta could last anywhere from you know three hours to as many as 10 hours. And what we would do during that time is um, we would put up a shot that's from the cut that has Andy, let's say. And they would side by side show us a shot of Caesar in his current animation. And I then, as I have to direct the movie all over again. So what happens so you is- are, that's, that's, my, that's where the, you are, when you're working with Weta, it, it, there is an ability to shape and alter- That's what we do. I, th- that I spent over a year doing that with them. And basically what happens is I talk about what I want mm-hmm. from those performances, and then they have to find the way to do it. And that's mm-hmm. the amazing thing about their artistry, because people think there are two mistakes people make. One is they're thinking that the actors, like Andy, is a voice of Caesar, which is mm. ridiculous. Right, it's, right. He authors the performance. That's who he is. You're watching that actor put his emotions on, into this movie. And then the other thing that is a mistake that I think people think is that because it's performance capture, that there's some kind of data, and you just hit a button, and suddenly it's like... It's like a logarithm. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's no artistry. Yeah. No, what you've got is you've got data that gives you reliable information on what the movement is, but the anatomy... Between you know between Andy and Caesar is mm-hmm. different, and and look at Karen and Maurice like it couldn't be more radically different. So it's interpretive, it's artistic. So the idea is to try and look at the shapes on Andy's face and figure out how to express those shapes on a different anatomy that is Caesar's, and that's where the amazing artistry of Weta comes in. I'm trying to draw out what I see in the performance, so I'm I'm acting as a as a as a director, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to say I say oh well look you know and what you're proposing from from Caesar. Andy looks really angry in this shot, but also I can see some sadness, and it's that juxtaposition of emotions that gives us that mm-hmm. feeling from him. And yet on Caesar right now, I'm only seeing the anger. How can we draw out those shapes? And then they all they say, oh, well, that sadness seems to be coming from this 
thing on Andy's brow, which is different from Caesar's brow. So they have to take the leap to figure out how to express that shape that makes us feel what we're seeing. Because everything you're seeing on Andy's face or on any actor's face, you're getting from their expression, right? So you can see something on somebody's face, and the shapes on the face express a series of complex emotions. So that same idea somehow has to express itself onto a different anatomy. And like when you think of Karen, too. But it's funny, because by the time we're done, I can't see the apes as being different from the actors. I don't see Caesar without You've seeing You've adapted Andy. the performance almost. Yeah, it's a really, it's, it's, um, it's a translation is what it is. You're translating mm -hmm. from one language to another, but the emotions are absolutely the actors. And, and it's funny because sometimes it shows the, the difficulty of the animation because there are shots where as we're going along is there's a, there's a literal translation. I can mm -hmm. see where those shapes arrive and they do reflect some shape on the actors' faces, but it's not as effective as elsewhere. And we'll go back in and say, well, for some reason that is what Andy's doing, but it seems too cartoonish here because there's something extreme in the expression. And so it, it takes so much detail and artistry to arrive at expressing what the actors are expressing on these apes' faces. And that process takes over a year. Now, you came into Dawn, I think, from scratch. I mean, this is, this is yeah. the first time you've done this. And that, I mean, that obviously worked out well. I'm wondering, moving into this third one, what did you take from that experience from doing Dawn that you, I, you know, part of this is, my understanding is that this wasn't even necessarily something that was thought of as a trilogy, so part of this was, has to be what, what you're going to do with the story, but what did you take from that experience and bring into starting from scratch with this third film? Well, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, first of all, I didn't understand performance capture at all when I started, and so I gave myself sort of a crash course in how that works, and I was startled by the degree to which performance capture is very much like traditional filmmaking when it comes to the beginning, which is that unlike other CG stuff that I've done where you, um, you have to pre-plan everything to such a degree that a lot of spontaneity that you consider from, you know, when actor, like as a director, the thing I like to do is create an environment where I have a strong idea about what I want, but I'm creating an environment where the actors are going to express themselves and then I'm the emotional compass that says that we got it or we don't have it and, and trying to guide sort of them in their own way toward what I'm looking for without telling them exactly what I'm looking for so that they start doing what I would do because then I'd be the actor and it wouldn't be very good. <laughs> so the idea is for me to create an environment where they can express themselves. So once I realized how freeing that was, that that aspect of it was what it was, it, it prepared me in this movie to try and be more ambitious, to push things further. And I wanted to push things further uh, visually because on the last movie we shot the movie in native 3D which is a very challenging format because the cameras are so heavy mm. that you have to shoot everything off of a crane and um, we didn't have the time to convert. But this time we did, so it meant I could shoot on the Alexa 65 and be more ambitious. I could get kind of shots I couldn't get on the last movie. And the other thing was just knowing who my performers were and to have Mark and I write toward them, right? Knowing that it was going to be Andy and knowing we were going to push him to all these places is a thrilling thing. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not just about the character, but it's knowing that Andy is that character and knowing what he's capable of and wanting to push him into new places and to be more ambitious to have, you know, each of these stories has been very different. Rise is very different from Dawn and Dawn is very different from War, but they're all, the through line is Caesar. Mm -hmm. And in each one, he has a really dramatic arc that would seem like, well, you couldn't get more dramatic than that. And each time the challenge has been, how do we make it more dramatic than that? And this one, it felt like we could push him to a place, you know, his character is so much about 
empathy. And we wanted to push him to a place where he, for the first time, was in danger of losing that empathy for humanity and to push him to a dark place because he, he's always been, despite the war that you could see palpably happening with inside of him, um, he's been the reasonable one. <laughs> mm. And in this one, we wanted to, to push him to a place where that reason was, was starting to fray. And, um, and knowing that that was Andy was a big deal. And so, I mean, there are just so many ways. You know, it's a weird thing. You know, you're daunted by something when you don't understand it. And then when you understand how to use it as a tool, you stop thinking about it as a hindrance and you start thinking about, oh, I think we can do so much more. So I'm sure there are more ways, but that's, there, were, there were a lot of ways where it just felt like being ambitious was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to come back into it. I felt like there was so much I'd learned and we did it so quickly that now I felt like, okay, now I understand it. Now I want to push it farther. What can we do? And, and we did hopefully a lot of things that people will see that will make it feel different. When you came on to, to Dawn, uh, Fox hadn't been able to meet up with, um, with Rupert on, on, on the second script. And so, yeah. and, and so you had come in and I think much to your surprise, they were open to yes. a new idea yeah. and going, going where you and Mark did. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you're, and not that it's a one-to-one, -one, but I have to imagine that in terms of coming on to Batman, I, I'm wondering what was the state. I mean, I, I'm not looking for plot details here or anything here, but that also That's that good. I don't have any. <laughs> but that element of I'm sure there was this element of having to get on the same page with story and coming in as the new. Well, director. that hasn't happened yet. Okay. No, we're just starting. We're so, just you, starting. but do, you didn't have to come in with this. There isn't. Oh, there's I came up with a. I, oh, I came in with a. They came to me in the middle of. Of war, right? So I, I was, I was like, look, if you're asking me if I'm interested in this character, I absolutely am. I'm, I, I'm passionate about this world. I love this character. I connect to him in a way that I connect to, to Caesar. To be honest with you, I really loved Planet of the Apes as a child. I loved Batman, and I see the metaphors in both. And I think that there's a tremendous amount of ambition that is possible in both of these franchises, which I, which is why mm -hmm. I was so drawn to the idea of getting involved. And I talked more about the perspective from which I would make it, which was about making it personal and about the approach that I used uh, on apes and how that is really the approach to filmmaking that I have, which is to try and find a way to internalize and personalize as much as possible and to use point of view filmmaking to put the audience in the perspective of those characters so that they can empathize and go on an emotional experience. The thing that I said that I really wanted to do was to, to really make it the most emotional Batman that there mm -hmm. had been, to, 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 to really get under his skin in a way that would, um, that would really turn the audience you know, into Batman really for that period of time. So it was more an approach and they were excited about that approach, and you know they they like the apes films, the and films I'd done. So because he's because he's a little bit of an aloof character in general, and the thing is that you're talking about. I saw that you mentioned you're talking about point of view. You talked about Hitchcock before. Sure. There's an element here. And of, noir. Yeah, but there's an element here of like subjectivity. Of subjectivity like is the whole uh, thing. And entering. Yes, that's what I want to do. I want to do a very subjective. That's not something we've seen with him. I mean, not that well, that's we what I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah, I feel like to to make a highly subjective. Um, and that's what I mean when I'm saying point of view filmmaking, and that's what I mean by Hitchcockian. Mm -hmm. So you're picked up on exactly what it is that is my intention. But I think you, I think to make this in a, su a subjective experience, so that you can get under his skin, and to uh, experience this kind of story, um, will be fresh. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly it's going to be for me an exciting challenge, and and it's it's what I really tried to do, especially in this third Apes film, was to this is the first full. I tr when I came in on Dawn, you're asking about Dawn, I, my, 
I wanted, I felt that the story wasn't enough about Caesar. I felt that they had earned after Rise that it was basically his story, and I wanted this story that we were telling at that time to be as much his story as possible. And there still was an important human story to tell because there was such a big gap story-wise, narratively, between the world of Rise and the post-viral apocalypse. But we'd already done that in, in Dawn. So in War, the first thing I said was, I want this to be Caesar's story. I want to tell it from his point of view. I want to take the audience on that journey. And so I tried to use all of those things that we were talking about in doing a Caesar story. And, and that's what I hope to do in doing a Batman story. Uh, War comes out Friday. It's everywhere. And uh, congratulations, Matt. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.